From the world's playground, this is Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Welcome back at 21 minutes past the hour, Hurley in the Morning with the Assemblyman Emeritus, Kirk Conover. Foggy morning, then partly cloudy, high 71. You might see, and I saw it coming in, patchy drizzle is possible, and it indeed happened in the two, late 2 o'clock hour. East-northeast winds, just like I like it, 5 to 10 miles an hour. Cloudy tonight, low 58. East-southeast winds at 5 to 10 miles an hour. And tomorrow, overcast, high 72. Winds east at 5 to 10 miles an hour. And it's 60 degrees as you begin your morning here on the Hurley in the Morning program. Kirk, there's so many national stories. We, we have, of course, uh, Joe Biden criticizing the president. Here's the president of the United States that has probably worked more hours as president than any president in American history. And the reason I know that is because I know the way that he always works. He hardly sleeps. And yet Joe Biden, because President Trump owns a golf course, many, he played golf one round. Joe Biden came out of his basement looking like a crypt keeper with his black face mask on and his eyes sunk into his head, honest to God, looking like a like a zombie, uh, criticizing the president that he played golf. Total hypocrisy. When uh, Obama was president, he played golf every other day, it seemed like, no matter what was going on with the country. Kirk, after Benghazi, he went right to the golf course. Yep, and... When they were planning the raid to capture uh, bin Laden, he was on the golf course. He was in that situation room in his golf duds. That's true, in the back chair, like the kitty chair that they gave him. And incidentally, a horrible golfer. Trump is actually a very good golfer. Uh, but Obama, just anything he wanted to do, he was just cooler than the other side of the pillow. No- nothing, nothing to see here. Go away. No criticism allowed. Trump plays one round in like the last three months during a holiday weekend where he worked the entire holiday weekend, and it's the uh, it's the Brinks job. Yeah, and it's as if uh, three and a half or four hours is going to make a difference in the uh, progress of this uh, pandemic, or you know, progress to reopen uh, the economy uh, on a holiday weekend. I mean, well, according to them, he everything he does is wrong. So they actually should be happy he's doing no harm during those three, four hours. <laughs> right? That's a real good point. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm here to make good points. Uh, let me make one other good point. Joe Biden is shifting his campaign attack focus on the economy, which is what I told everyone they were going to do. They're going to make this economy during a pandemic look like President Trump has done a terrible job. And Joe Biden has the the audacity to make the case in his little stump speech when he came out of his basement that uh, he's the one that's already done it. He's already improved our economy, uh, and he's proven he can do it. I guess he's disavowing what President Trump did for three and a half years. Well, he has to. What else is he going to say, right? True. You can't acknowledge acknowledge that uh, this whole economic uh, downturn is is caused not by uh, underlying economic factors or trends. It's totally artificially 
created by public health measures to uh, contain a virus. And, you know, there's other people that obviously, like like my new favorite reporter, Alex Berenson, who takes a uh, statistical approach to the virus, says that these shutdown orders have not worked, that this pandemic is taking the same course as every epidemic that ever hit the United States. The charts and graphs all look the same. So it's interesting that um, somebody that, uh, has been running for president for over 30 years, uh, thinks that that's an actual good line of attack when it's obvious to everybody that this is an artificial recession that we've been thrust into. Um, and when you look at the the uh, Obama-Biden administration, uh, they had eight years of absolutely putrid, uh, semi-stagnant growth. And, uh, you know, there was a, some famous economists that came out and said that that was the new normal, that we were just going to have sort of stagnation uh, from now on. And President Trump proved uh, proved them wrong, and that that thinking, um, you know, went out the window and had no credibility because we, we had 3 and 4% growth for 2017 and 2018. Slowed down a little bit in... Uh, um, you know, 2019, but still you had the, when you reach maximum employment capacity, growth becomes much harder. So when you, when you see, uh, you know, 3.5% uh, unemployment in 2000, most of 2019, you know, you're reaching the capacity of the economy to grow. So that's, that's how the economy slowed down a bit, but it was still higher than the one, the Obama years for 1.1 percent growth, and that was with unprecedented, unprecedented quantitative easing. Oh yeah, the Fed is that the was, only reason. Yeah, that was the only way that Obamanomics even just crept a little bit uh, into into favorable GDP. Kirk, let me share some numbers with you because you mentioned um, how this is panning out like every other. What I've been saying is pandemic, and then it becomes endemic, and then we have the treatments, and we ultimately have a vaccine, and that would that would basically be the same thing that you just said, just a different way. Let me share some numbers, though. COVID-19 fatality, the highest rate that I've been able to find. What I've been doing this morning is sharing the most conservative numbers you could possibly do, because some that I've seen is 0.2 overall for fatality. But I'll use point four. That's the highest number that you can find anywhere for America in terms of, in other words, it's a 96, I'm sorry, a 99.6% that you won't die. It's a point four that you will. However, I want to go into some of the detail. It's under one half of one tenth of a percent for those under 50 years old that's lower than for the flu it is higher by 10 times though but the number is still fractionally for 65 and older which we we do not ignore and we've been intellectually honest that the older someone is the tougher this thing has typically been although 
we've seen people 100 recover from it. So it really is, it's a hit or miss thing, blood type and some other things, uh, comorbidities and so on. Here's the one that I thought was very interesting. 50 to 64-year-olds, 0.2% fatality. So the question that I keep posing, while still being compliant and saying and doing all the right things and writing and recording COVID-19 spots every day for all six of our stations, interviewing our governor, doing everything I can to treat it serious and, and, and all of that. But for these numbers that I just shared, would you shut down the country for that? Doesn't seem like it. It doesn't. Uh, the economic uh, cost to America's health is starting to exceed the, uh, you know, the the, uh, the the death toll of uh, the coronavirus. Uh, let me let me prove that, Kirk. Because again, you have the dis- disadvantage of being out of the area, and the um, digital stream was down, so you couldn't hear my very first comment during my opening monologue it was about a marine who was standing for 24 straight hours to ra- raise awareness for veterans suicide i went further i went into all suicides veterans and others distraught people that are bankrupt now have lost their business they worked their whole lives for don't know how they're going to pay next month's rent or mortgage so on and so forth distraught people that this pandemic and putting people out of work has created on top of the the disease so I heard Judge Janine say it the other night. I've read it three or four other ways. For every 1% that the employment rate rises, and we figure it's got to be over 25% if we're counting 40 or 50 million Americans that have filed for unemployment, so on and so forth. For every 1% that the unemployment rate rises, 5,000 to 10,000 people kill themselves. Doesn't even count the people that have attempted and didn't succeed. I used the lower number, 5,000, the lowest. Didn't even average it. That comes out to 125,000 deaths if you use an increase of 25% unemployment. That's substantially more deaths than we've had from COVID-19. Yeah, and uh, if you use the unemployment rate, I just looked it up. The U6, which I think is the true unemployment rate, went from 6.7% to beginning of February. At the end of April, it was 22.8%. So, yeah. And I uh, think that lags, Kirk. Yeah, and we don't have the numbers for May. So uh, it's it's a real problem. And uh, I've I've... So even if we said 18, that would still be a ton. 18 times 5,000, that would be a ton of people that are killing themselves. Uh, and at some point we have to say we have to trust America to get back out and get into the game again and get their lives back and be as careful as we can be. And we, But we do have to accept, though, Kirk, that we're going to see additional cases. Oh yeah, and I've I've received uh, since Saturday. I've received two different doctors' inputs. One was uh, on Jesse Walters' uh, Waters World. He was an emergency room doctor in the middle of Manhattan. 
famous hospital. And he was saying that it's not as contagious as the news media has put out there. It doesn't live on hard surfaces very long. Um, and he pointed out, just like you did, that the death rate is looking, as we do more and more testing, the death rate looks like it's more like a regular flu. And he said that uh, really all you have to do is wash your hands more frequently and don't touch your face. That's the best thing. He didn't. He wasn't buying into the mask thing unless you're you're in close contact with somebody. And he said if someone has COVID uh, nineteen, you have to be with them for like fifteen to thirty minutes before there's even a threat of you catching it from them. And it's um, that was eye-opening. And then we played golf with an emergency room doctor on the front lines. Uh, he's in the hospital now down here, but he's going to a hospital outside of Philadelphia. And he said that uh, it's all overblown. He's not concerned about it because uh, we asked him, he said, are you worried about, you know, working in, in that environment? He says, no, it's not as transmissible as, as the media has made everybody think. But at the same time, though, Kirk, this is where I'm so torn about this. I'm watching healthcare people die, doctors die, nurses die, other people get sick. There, it's It's more than nothing. I think the trouble with this is it's very hard because we don't have – intellectual honesty anymore i don't mean from you you're 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 not at all involved in what i'm saying right now uh you are honest but what i see happening with this is everything is political i've been saying that for 28 years but it's getting so so much worse i mean hydroxychloroquine is political the world health organization has taken a drug that's fda approved for 65 years and acting like it's the most dangerous thing to ever happen, and they had to stop the trials, stop the trials! It's killing people! Meanwhile, they're not reporting that it's people that are almost dead at the point that they're getting it. And it's just so awful what's happening. But red states are open, blue states are closed, orange man is bad, hydroxychloroquine is, is bad if you're a Democrat, it's great if you're a Republican, Kirk, I am so sick of this that I, I just can't stand it. We'll get your take on this and more when we come back. And and then, of course, a friend of mine's writing me a bunch of stuff. There's uh, Andrew Cuomo, and I read about a thousand words on him this morning, his latest pronouncement about how they're wrong on everything. This guy, the media, wants him to be president. They won't report what he did with the, the seniors that were infected and put them into senior living facilities and then now Cuomo is blaming President Trump for why he did it specifically CDC but I read the CDC guidelines and they didn't say Andrew Cuomo you must put your infected COVID seniors into senior living facilities it didn't say that at all that's just absolutely a lie bald-faced lie and so we got that going for us then he said hey Look at this. 66% of all of our cases are people that are, are quarantined. We didn't think that would happen. So he's wrong about that. He was wrong about ventilators, wrong about PPE, mishandled the Javits Center, mishandled the U.S. Navy Comfort, put seniors to die and, and infect people who were completely healthy, basically. Maybe some 
dealing with issues and some comorbid morbidities. But look at that list of just failure. And yet he's a hero. And you've got Governor Ron DeSantis, who didn't put anybody in the senior citizen homes and has a state much more populated. And he's not a hero. Everything is political. If you're a Republican, you suck. And if you're a Democrat, no matter how much you suck, you're great. With Kirk, I'm Harry. The WPG Talk Radio app is everything South Jersey. Local news and information updated around the clock from New Jersey's largest radio news team. Breaking news push notifications just for South Jersey. Easily call and listen to all your favorite WPG talk shows and more. Download the WPG Talk Radio app for your phone, tablet, Apple CarPlay, and Android Auto today at WPGTalkRadio.com. Day. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Join me this afternoon at 3. Now back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you, Sean Hannity. For uh, 40 minutes past the hour, visiting with the Assemblyman Emeritus Kirk Conover. So, Kirk, I did a complete drive-by there on the myriad of, I mean, substantial failings of Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York, which actually led to our own state putting the elderly into infected elderly into uh senior living facilities because the northeast governors made a pact that they would all go along with each other so that you, you this is what you get is exactly what we got and then i went through the whole list which i won't repeat just off the top of my head of cuomo failings and yet he's a hero and yet ron DeSantis, i think out of all the governors when you consider all the complexities that he has, the parks and of Central Florida, the beach activity, everything going on in Florida, he is the absolute star success story of the pandemic, and the media does not even throw him a bone. Cuomo's on, why is Cuomo on, even on Fox News, on national TV, at 11 o'clock in the morning, Cuomo babbling is considered a national event. Why? He's been wrong about everything. Well, the media obviously has a, a very left-wing tilt and you know, bias towards you know the Democrats, and that's something that was an, uh, a Wall Street Journal editorial by the former head of CBS News saying that the... Uh, media has passed their tipping point. They're too far left and that their uh, credibility is going to suffer uh, in the future. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. This guy, you know, the whole, the put, put it in perspective too. He put people in nursing homes to save space in hospitals. But why didn't he put them? He knew they had COVID why didn't he put them on the U.S. Navy Comfort or in the Javits Center where they had uh, the filtration from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, where they had the, um, the, the facilities, the critical care units and all of that? These senior living centers don't have the space. They don't have the triple filtration. They don't have the, the critical care units. I mean, 
anybody, I don't understand why he did it, and he won't explain it. Then he tries to blame it on President Trump. Well, that's that's the tactic of everybody that knows that they're wrong, and they politically can't afford to say that they're wrong. Um, you know, you talk about the Javits Center and the USS Comfort. They just dismantled a temporary hospital in Brooklyn that cost $21 million to build and was completed May 4th. They just started dismantling it, and it never treated one patient. So, yeah, that, that was um, a big miscalculation. And then he comes out and says, well, everything's wrong, everything's wrong, and we've been mis- misled, misled, all this. That's the cover of a politician. I mean, that's... Uh, I mean, he was the one saying, we got to trust the science. These are the numbers. We're going to need 40,000 more ventilators uh, in New York. I mean, he was a guy that was just babbling all these crazy numbers, these crooked, twisted numbers that never even... Rem- Thank God, um, I'm happy to report how wrong he was, but he was really spectacularly wrong. So incompetent, actually, to be given this mantle as i mean remember they were trying to make him the democrat nominee for president throughout this yeah and he was throwing that number out to try to say that the federal government and the trump administration wasn't providing them with enough stuff and then all of a sudden it became apparent that uh, he was way off so you didn't hear that anymore um yeah it the politi- the politicization of this whole thing is sickening to me But as I pointed out to someone in my family who said, well, the virus shouldn't be political. It doesn't care. I'm like, but our reaction to it is always going to be political. There's always a political element, whether it comes to economics, politics, uh, policymaking at any level. People tend towards their biases. Now, it used to be, though, for something like this, people would put their politics aside, but that's no more. And I don't know if that's ever going to be again. It's it's maddening to me that actually we have red and blue states with hydroxychloroquine uh, and that we have red and blue states. Why are Republican governors open or opening and why are Democratic governors closing and closing and, and some even saying we can't reopen until there's a vaccine? How did this how did this happen? How do how does a pandemic become Republicans want to be open and Democrats want to be closed. How did that happen? I think it's uh, a natural tendency of, you know, the left-wing Democrats. They want to control you. And this was an opportunity to show that they can and they will and sort of a a dry run to see what's going to happen. I know that there's been a lot of talk about uh, that there's going to be a, 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 a not-so-brave new world coming out of this, uh, the new normals, this and that, and that we're going to have pandemics occasionally, and there's going to be lockdowns occasionally. I don't buy it. Uh, I think uh, what the American people are going to see out of this is that the Democrat governors and other Democrats are using this crisis to try to transform the country into a more top-down, uh, heavy government involvement in our lives. and In other words, socialism. Rebelling against it. Yeah, yeah, they're openly rebelling against it. Um, you see all the protests in these blue states. They're organic. They're not organized by, you know, any political party. They're people that are just fed up. They know that 
you can't kill the patient to cure the disease. And you can't, you know, stop the economic engine of the United States of America and drain it of all its resources and put us into debt for forever uh, to cure a disease. What's going to have to happen, Kirk? We've got to get the last break in. We'll get some calls in right after the break. Uh, our first caller will be you when we come back with the Assemblyman Emeritus, Kirk Conover. What's going to have to happen, and I said it to Pastor, uh, the lead pastor from uh, Egg Harbor Township's Fresh Start Church, Pastor Tim, you've got to take uh, these decisions you don't agree with to court. California churches took Gavin Newsom to court. They won churches are going to be opening. It's not enough that President Trump said churches are essential and here's the plans to get them reopened. The governors have the authority, and it should be this way, to run their states. But I'm absolutely convinced that governors have taken far more power than has ever been uh, afforded to them by any state constitution. And everybody that's taking these people to court for different things, they're all winning. Because there comes a point in time where the government's fear doesn't become your problem if you want to if you want to go out, if you're willing to take certain risk, if you're if you want to reopen your business, if you don't want to be destroyed. See, I think also too, the government is going to owe a lot of people. Uh, I'm not a fan of reparations, but the government shut people down, and they've ruined lives. If I told you the conversation I had over the weekend, I can't do it, with a business owner that told me some of the most sobering stuff I've ever heard in my life, exactly how many employees they have, exactly where they are right now, that they're in big trouble, you wouldn't believe who this is, and that tells me so many people are in trouble right now. The government doesn't have a right to wreck you under the guise that they're protecting you. We'll be back with Kirk. I am. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. BBEL.com. For the latest coronavirus news, open the WPG Talk Radio app now. Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, welcome back. 51 minutes past the hour. When we last spoke with Bob Progner, Bob and Sidney Progner own the Seacrest Inn, which is a fabulous property on Beach Avenue in Cape May and, and a place that Margie and I and our kids, we, we just we love it there. And last time I talked to Bob last week, I forget what day it was last week, maybe as uh, recently as Friday, with Gary Aldrich or or at some point during Friday's program, I asked Bob what his occupancy was for the first week of June when they're allowed to reopen at a certain percentage, 60% uh, of, of capacity. He was at 7%. Now, there's been several days. I know I saw it myself on Facebook, and I know that Bob and Cindy are doing social media and they're doing what they do to um, to market their business. So Bob joins us now. Bob, I'm curious, uh, what was 7% for the first week of June? What is it now? Uh, it's still 7%, Harry. Oh, that's, that's terrible. I mean, because I know you spent some time this weekend um, with, uh, with social media. It was nice, and I, I saw it, and I was hoping that that would have generated some. So it's actually right now the government has succeeded 
in almost making it that nobody would want to go travel or do anything because they're they're so busy scaring everybody to death. So you're still at seven percent. Oh, and and normally for the first week of June, Bob would be at at least eighty percent. So I, I imagine Bob, that's not really a problem, right? For the month of June, if if you're down like seventy three percent, you can you can handle that for the rest of your life, right? Oh, sure, Harry. Sure. Look, yeah. we we uh, we're not like the uh, the year round properties that that throughout the country. We we make our money in a, in a window really of, of four or five months, and and June is a big month. It's a big month to lose. Now, we're we're doing better as as you go further in the summer, but you lose April, May, and June, and you know in effect. You know, we've we've got the green light to open. That's wonderful. However, the amenities that people want when they go on vacation, they're still not there. And a big one, of course, is dining. I, I manned the front desk this weekend. I just want, I wanted to see what it, what we were dealing with, and had a couple calls interested in staying at the Seacrest. Uh, by by the way, are, are the restaurants open? Well, no, you can only do takeout, and, and that's it. You lose the sale. Now, there are other amenities we still don't have. Swimming in the ocean. My pool. I can open my pool. I can't let any customers swim in the pool. So this is the, the government. So they can lay on a lounge chair, of course, six feet apart. They can lay on a lounge chair, and the pool is, is crystal clear. It's operating, but they can't go in it. Can't go in it, right? Uh, and, and and you know now I'm I'm hearing with with further in the summer that the city of Cape May maybe maybe having a the beach tag inspectors maybe having a clicker with everyone entering the beach that when they feel there's a certain capacity the beach gets shut down. So you're paying very much money to stay in Cape May. You want to go to the beach? You get up a little late. Guess what? You can't go on the beach. Yeah, that's that's good for you business. Know, this, this is government overreach that is symptomatic of New Jersey. I came back from Florida last week. I came back from a state that was run by a magnificent governor who saw the problems, who concentrated on the weak point, which was the nursing homes, gets no credit at all for it and had to deal with mass migration from the biggest hot spot in the world. They had cruise ships docking with COVID. You're right, everybody coming in, people admitting they were flying from New York with COVID-19, going into Florida, and look at the difference. And yet, I was just talking about this, Bob, I don't know if you, if you heard it, but that Cuomo, who's been wrong on everything, and got everything handed to him, I don't believe that Ron DeSantis got a U.S. Navy uh, warship turned into hospital, and he had COVID-19 on cruise ships. Uh, he didn't get the, the, the equivalent of a Javits Center hospital. He's gotten the job done. I, I said earlier, Bob, that Governor DeSantis is the most successful governor in America, and especially when you base it on the tourism of Central Florida the, all the beaches, all up and down the coast. His performance has been amazing. But the Democrat media, they will not even mention him. 
No, he, he, he should get the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Yeah. He's been that great. Yeah. He saved thousands of lives. Now, you know, I came from a state, Harry, that was getting back to normal. You know, the beaches were opened almost a month ago. No problems. The restaurants were open when I left. I was able to get a haircut. The gyms opened yesterday in Florida. I come back to a state that's just locked down tight. Yeah. That... And, and, you know, in Cape May and Atlantic County, we, the infection rates are, are minuscule. In, in Cape May, if, if you, our, our, we had a task force on reopening. We, we had less, less than 1%. It was probably less than one-half of 1% of, of the uh, cases in the state. Yet the governor just shuts us down, does not let people who've worked hard all their lives doesn't let, let them make a living. Let's they, they they are facing financial ruin. That's true. You know, again, and you know this this cannot stand. You know, we it, the the cost of just the health cost of not getting the cancer screenings, of not getting elective procedures like colonoscopies. Uh, the health costs are going to be huge. We we are killing people. Yeah, not to mention the suicides, Bob. Exactly, exactly. Which are, which are in the many thousands, supposedly uh, 5,000 to 10,000 per 1% of unemployment. I mean, it's going to be more death at people's own hands than, than from the disease. And, and I keep saying at some point, it's beyond reasonable to continue to stay shut down because that is killing people. Yeah. You know, the governor shuts down AA meetings, but he, he keeps the liquor stores open. You know, this just makes no sense. And, you know, this Democrat narrative of safety at all costs, we don't live that way. You know, we don't, we have interstate highway speeds at 70 miles an hour. And for that, ten, I guarantee you at least 10,000 people a year die in this country. And that's probably, probably low. Yeah, so at that, if you want to get down to zero, you make it, you don't just lower the speed limit from 70 to 60. The expressway used to be 75, and then, of course, it was lowered to 65 or wherever it's at now. And, and But to make it zero, you would then say you can't drive. So you can't get to zero. We risk when we go out and drive. We risk just walking out. I told the story of the person was walking in New York City, and a piece of concrete facade came down, crushed them, dead. If they, didn't, if they weren't allowed to go out, that wouldn't have happened. But we can't live paralysis we just can't do it bob we're at the end of the hour kirk uh thanks for a great hour and we'll catch you next time terrific Harry. thanks, thanks guys it's a pleasure yeah bye my bye. pleasure bye bye chuck malamud is next and then senator chris brown at 904 it's halftime it's early in the morning 95.5 fm and 1450 am wpgg atlantic city wenj 97.3 hd3 millville and a half million people infected. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. That is the new coronavirus global count this morning. Nearly a third of the cases are in the U.S., where the number of deaths is approaching 100,000. But lately, the virus has been spreading faster in Brazil, and the U.S. is accelerating travel restrictions. Fox's Rachel Sutherland has more live. 
Dave, the ban applies to all non-U.S. citizens who have been in Brazil in the previous two weeks as cases surge in the nation. Relatives of U.S. citizens, green card holders, and airline workers are exempt from the restrictions, which start tonight at midnight ahead of schedule. No immediate reason was given for moving up the ban. Brazil, which has nearly 375,000 cases, according to Johns Hopkins University, has the second highest infection rate in the world behind the United States. Dave. Now, Rachel, we're just getting word that the north lawn of the White House and the area around that has been closed for security reasons. We don't have any more information. Five more states will lift some restrictions today, including bars allowed to open in Arkansas at one-third capacity, and bars could be half full in West Virginia. Ohio will allow gyms to reopen. And then there's Missouri. People who crowded into the Lake of the Ozarks over the weekend all close together, no masks, drawing the ire of St. Louis County Executive Sam Page, calling it reckless. And anyone who is involved... Uh, this weekend in any sort of crowded event should just self-quarantine for the next 14 days, even if you don't have symptoms. The FBI is joining police searching for a University of Connecticut student turned suspected killer. And Peter Manfredonia's family is urging him to stop running. It is time to let the healing process begin. It's time to surrender. You have your parents and your sisters and your family's entire support. Family attorney Michael Dolan, the 23-year-old, is accused in two murders. Police say he's armed after stealing guns in a home invasion. Manfredoni is now believed to be in Pennsylvania, perhaps spotted walking railroad tracks. America's listening to Fox News. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts, and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is, this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-858-1199. 800-858-1199. 800-858-1199. Talk Radio 95.5 Weather. From Chief Meteorologist Dan Zero. Patches of pea soup fog and low clouds have developed across South Jersey this morning. Visibilities may drop below a quarter mile at times through almost lunchtime today. Now we'll see partly sunny skies with a high temperature around 72 degrees. The cool spot will be the coast. You go inland, we may come close to 80 today. Some clouds tonight with fog likely once again, low of 59. Mostly cloudy tomorrow with a chance of sprinkles, high of 73. And then Thursday, lots of clouds with a few showers, high of 71. I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zero on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thanks very much. Chuck Malamut is here. I want to open this hour because this was a... um, a day that although I was not a part of the industry until 1980, we actually had the opportunity to come on board 
even before the Golden Nugget opened. I think it was February of 81, but I was actually on board in 1980. But in 1978, 42 years ago today, Resorts Casino Hotel opened in Atlantic City. Who would have imagined that on Memorial Day weekend, 42 years later, uh, it, it would be forced to close by government and something that we'll never see again. And it was a part of orientation training, which I think Augie Renna had something to do with when I went through orientation training for my position. And I learned that the corporate parent company to resorts, then Resorts International Hotel Casino, was the Mary Carter Paint Company. How does that, how is that even possible? Think about it. That is so quaint, boutique, impossible, never happen again. You look at what's happening now. You have toxic assets. This casino is a toxic asset. They're on that side of the, the ledger and that set of books. And here's one that's not. It's just amazing to me. The program you're about to listen to is presented by Chuck Malamut, a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley. The information, views, and opinions expressed are those of Chuck Malamut and do not necessarily reflect those of Morgan Stanley or its affiliates. They are current as of the date of this broadcast, subject to change without notice. Neither the information provided nor any opinion expressed herein constitutes a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. This presentation is for informational purposes only. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, member SIPC. Ladies and gentlemen, the official financial advisor for Hurley in the Morning, Chuck Malamut. Chuck, how about that happy 42nd birthday for resorts? Harry, it seemed like just yesterday. I know. Like, if you remember, a number of people just lined up waiting to play uh, at a time. Think about 42 years ago. A twenty-five dollar minimum blackjack game. Yep. Uh, Remember, if you left your chair, you left. There were no clear chips to say I'm going to the restroom. People relieved themselves on chairs. It was stanchions up to 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 get in. Pretty wild stuff. Brooms to to sweep the money out of the count room because it was coming in quicker than they could count it. Yeah, I, I if you remember. You know, way back when, when they had what they referred to as the hard count, where they used to go, uh, you know, on the casino floor every day and pull uh, the actual coin from the slots. Yep. And the, the equipment, the train, as it was oftentimes referred to, was so heavy, you couldn't get it across the floor. It, it literally got hung up on the carpet. Yep. Uh, so they had, to, they had to literally put down plywood every night. To create these tracks, so to speak, um, you know, to move to move that coin, you know, from the slots into the um, into the hard count room. So it's amazing how things have changed. No and and forty two years later, closed on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, yeah, you know, I listened, uh, you and Kirk and Bob, and uh, I, I mean, Harry, this is. Clearly a case, and I, I, I don't like to get political, as you know, in the show. It's clearly a case of picking winners and losers. And, uh, you know, whether it's a big box store versus, you know, a small, uh, small operator that does provide essentials, uh, whether it's a Democratic or Republican state, um, you know, we look, we need to get open. Um, and, and, you know, whether it's back to the office and back to a more normalized environment and, you know, they're saying, well, this is going to be the new norm, and we don't know what the new norm is going to look like. Um, 
but I think we all adhere to to what the government had one requested and required, which was um, you know stay at home, get the counts down, and, and and that all happened. Yeah. So now we're looking around, saying, "Well, we did our part, so it's time that you do your part." And um, I, I don't think we're moving very quickly here. That's for sure. I think we'll probably be the last state to be fully opened in the country. Which is horrendous to hear. How? Do, what does your financial acumen tell you that if we slow walk it here? I mean, I don't expect you to know the exact number, but exponentially. I mean, look how many more people, how many more businesses will be wrecked. Oh, Harry, I don't even I, I don't even want to begin to think about the number of businesses that uh, either filed or will be filing and will not be reopening. And then obviously, you know, that's that's you know, that's negative for not only the owner, but the employees. And yeah, this is going to be tough. Um, I mean, the weekend was certainly different. I mean, it, it did not feel like Memorial Day under any way, shape or form. Um you know, fortunately, we're starting to get some good weather, as it looks like. But um, we need to get going. We need to go. I mean, it's an, and I know that you covered the Belmar uh, Attila's Gym opening, closing, reopening. I read that there's going to be a number of, uh, of uh, gyms and hair salons that are going to be opening on June the 1st um, to the tune of upwards of 300 and basically signing off on a petition and starting to get going. And. Um, I don't know how I don't know how government's going to you know be able to effectively police all that. They, I guess, what they're trying to do is get enough people to do acts of civil disobedience that they won't be able to lock everybody up. If it's just one here or there, you get crushed. I mean, look at how the wheels of government—they were able to work uh, on Memorial Day weekend so that it five o'clock or whatever on a Friday with Attila's Jim having no opportunity to respond, the state succeeded in getting the uh, judiciary to, to shut them down. And then the owner, I thought, was very, very smart about it. He said, look, it's, it's a little different now because if we do it now, then we are guilty of a crime at a certain level, a misdemeanor and above, where it really starts to, uh, to become a problem, where, where you go to jail. I just think it's very ironic, Chuck. This is not normally what we would talk about during your program, but that criminals are actually being let out for compassionate reasons, and there's a, a revolving door, and they're putting honorable, honest, decent business people in jail. There's something sick about that. <laughs> Harry, there's, there, um, there's no logic for sure. And... I, and um, I want to keep. I want to keep talking about uh, this, but in fairness to you, Chuck, market update time is yours. Yeah. So, so Harry, as, uh, you know, last week, um, you know, global stocks, you know, finished higher on on, on on a lot of optimism that we we are going to see the reopening of our economy and some real positive news with respect to some of these vaccine trials. Um, now, as we got to the to the latter part of the week, there was some caution. Um, with respect to the, these geopolitical tensions, you know, China planning to impose a new security law in Hong Kong, and then a, a U.S. Senate bill um, introduced in the latter part of the week that could force Chinese firms to delist from our U.S. stock exchanges. But, you know, investors seem to be pretty confident in a longer-term recovery. And I think, 
you know, you really need to position your portfolio, um, you, you know, to, to be able to act or react to these types of situations. Um, the yield on the U.S. Treasury, 10-year Treasury note, rose to 66 basis points. That was a five basis point increase. It doesn't seem like a lot, but going from 0.66 to, uh, you know, to 0.61 in a, in a week's time represents an 8 to 9% um, change in rates. The, te- the price of oil, and I know we talked about this several weeks ago, West Texas Intermediate, rose $4 a barrel to $32.50. Um, volatility that we often refer to as the VIX declined uh, from 34.5 to uh, 29.8, which is a big move. It's about a 16% move from top to bottom. So I, I think you're starting to see um, you know, the, the equity markets uh, are taking a, 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 a continue to take a more long-term trend and look versus what you're seeing uh, coming out on the on the daily uh, the daily news with respect to you know how bad things are, um, and, you know the, the the Dow Jones was up three point three percent for the week, so down fourteen point three year to date. Remember, mm. and I think you said it very well last week that the Dow is only thirty stocks. The S and P up three point two percent, so down about eight point five percent year to date, and clearly the winner, and we're going to cover this a little bit later. Uh, in, in today's discussion is the NASDAQ, which was up um, 3.4%. So they are now clearly you know, the leader up 3.9% uh, year-to-date. And the rally that we're seeing this morning, uh, pre-market, the Dow is up uh, just about 500 points. Chuck, the- Chuck, in terms of the uh, the NASDAQ, and we have a break that we're going to go to very shortly, but let me get this out there before we go to the break for your quick response. If we need more time, we'll take it after the break. Do you find that, I'm a layperson, but I find that absolutely extraordinary, almost beyond comprehension, that the NASDAQ is actually up during the worst global pandemic in 102 or 103 years. Do you find that as fascinating as I do? Well, Harry, I think the one thing you have to recognize with any of these indices, the, the Dow, the S&P, or the NASDAQ, they're, market, you know, they're, they're all market-weighted. So your, your, your bigger market capitalization-type companies, in the, in the case of, uh, of the NASDAQ, uh, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, or Google, Microsoft, I mean, they, they take a big portion of that number. So as those individual companies perform, you know, Oftentimes, so will the market on all into itself. Very good. Very um, so good. I, I, I think you got to think about that. Okay. Still good news, though. Uh, absolutely, and you put today's gains on top of it. You know the you know the Nasdaq will probably be up. Um, I'm guessing at the end of today, year to date, probably in excess of five to five and a half percent. Fantastic. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to Chuck Malamut, the best in the business for all of your financial planning needs. Turn to Chuck Malamut. 609-383-2010 to talk with Chuck. 609-383-2010. Incredible numbers. I was so happy I woke up this morning. Uh, I was just happy that I woke up, but happy to see that at that point in time, the Dow futures were up over 500. So I thought, wow, this looks like it's going to be a great day. 
and uh, hopefully it will be. We'll be back at 16 minutes past the hour with Chuck Malamut. I am. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM.